Welcome to the Lifehouse Church Podcast. More information about Lifehouse and our senior pastors, Richard and Helen Kabakian, can be found at lifehouse.com.au. We hope you enjoy the following message. And, uh, and today we're going to be uh, just adding to the series uh, that we've been a part of called Built to Last. And this is the last message in that series, and I'm hoping you guys really get a lot out of it. You know, before I was a pastor uh, of, of a church, I mean, I was a pastor for a long time before we started this church, but before I was a pastor in this church, um, I, I was uh, corporate training for companies uh, like Toshiba and BMW, and, and I really actually enjoyed that. And my specialty was sales and customer service. And so I used to run three-day courses with people that really had never sold anything, and I used to train them in, in you know, how to, how to basically uh, sell some, a product and bringing out the best in that product. And, um, and I used to really, really enjoy that. And the three-day course would start with some very high-level people, national managers, customer service managers, uh, sales staff, whatever, and the room would be full of different types of people, very high-capacity people. And I would be a little bit nervous because in my mind I'm thinking, well, I've really got to nail this whole uh, sales thing and talking to them about closing a deal and, 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 the, and that whole thing. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You actually have been to some of those courses. And, um, and so here I am getting ready for that. And I want to make sure that I answer everything that these guys are, are hoping to learn. And so I would have a whiteboard and I would say, okay, guys, so what is it that you're hoping to get out of this course in the next few days? And to my horror... What I'm hoping they're going to say, after I take a drink, what I'm hoping they're going to say is, you know, we want to know how to close a deal, we want to know how to sell $100,000 cars or whatever it is, and this would be their questions. Are you ready for it? How do I deal with difficult customers? Or, how do I handle conflict in the workplace? Or... How do I resolve issues with someone who actually reports to me? Or how do I respect people I hate? Or how do I kill the boss? <laughs> a whole lot of questions were simply around this thing called conflict. And it is amazing to me how little we know about this topic. So today's topic is called how to handle conflict. How to handle conflict, because this is the reality. We live in a great country with a great education system, and if you're a school teacher, or if you're a part of our education system in any way, we want to give you a round of applause right now and say thank you. Thank you for what you do. Thank you. I know that you wouldn't get into that profession to be a multi-millionaire. You've obviously done it because you want to better someone's life, and we really appreciate that. And as much as we live in a great country with a great education system, I think we would, if we were all honest, we would also say, that it doesn't really set us up to handle conflict. We may teach a person how to start a business, but we don't know how to teach them, but we don't teach them how to handle conflict with the customer. We don't, we don't teach people that. I don't know about you, but I never went to any course in classroom 103 about how to, how to handle conflict. I think all of us would agree that's not a course that we ever went to. So this, so this is the question, where do you learn how to handle conflict? We pick up bits and pieces from different places, but really, where's the systematic approach to dealing with conflict? Most of us would understand that although you know how to drive a car, it doesn't mean you know how to fix it. And all 
but women who were frustrated by their husbands said, Amen. <laughs> you know, just because you're in a relationship doesn't mean you know how to fix it when things go wrong. I'm, I'm the first to say, I love my car, I love driving, and I think I'm a good driver. But in all honesty, as soon as a little light goes on or something's not working, I, I don't know how to fix it. Well, you know what? When it comes to relationships, we really do need to learn how to fix it. And if we don't, then we do need to do what we do with our cars and take it to a mechanic. But gee, it would be great if we knew how to fix our own relationship conflicts. Amen? So this is my first point. Please don't be shocked by conflict. Don't be shocked by it. Jesus experienced conflict with his disciples. Jesus, the Son of God. The disciples had conflict with each other. And Paul and Barnabas, who were the two pillars of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul wrote three quarters of the New Testament, yet him and Barnabas had the biggest fight that you could ever imagine. That's where, that's where we actually get the term, mate, they had a big Barney because of Paul and Barnabas right there. These two men of God couldn't work it out to the point where they actually went on a missions trip together and they couldn't work it out and they had to actually separate and do their own thing because of conflict. I'm going to suggest this to all of us. Wherever there are two people trying to do community together, there's going to be conflict. Let me go one step further. Wherever there are people, there, are conf there is conflict. And if you're expecting a day when you have no conflict in any of your relationships, whether it's husband, wife, father, son, school teacher, students, if you're expecting a day where there is no conflict, there is a word for that. It's called death. While we are alive on earth, there is going to be conflict. And everyone said, Amen. That, that's great news, Pastor Richard. Thank you for that. Did you know when Jesus said, and he made the beautiful statement, where two or three people gather together, he said, there I am in the midst of them. What a beautiful statement. When two or three people gather together, Jesus is there, he says. Do you know he actually makes that statement at the end of a whole bunch of passages that tell us how to deal with conflict. What Jesus is saying is, guys, there's going to be conflict. There is a way to get through it. And he is going to be in the middle of it all trying to help us resolve our conflicts. Isn't that great? I love that. And some of you are saying, you know what? I don't agree with that. I don't think life has to always be a conflict. Well, guess what? You and I are in a conflict right now then because I'm telling you there is. You're saying there isn't. So there you go. Just undid your argument. Helen and I have had our fair share of conflicts. But I want to tell you right now, today we could look each other in, in the eye and say we are happily married Amen. for the last 20 years. <laughs> five, six, four, five, five, 25 years. Hey, listen, I want to talk to you about conflicts. I want us to see their part in our relationships and I want to show you what God can actually do through them. Are you ready for it? Let me just make something very clear, though. This is a disclaimer, and it's a big one. I'm not talking about the conflict of domestic violence. Okay, I'm not talking about that one. If you feel like your life is being threatened in, within a relationship, friends, this message does not apply to you. Please talk to somebody immediately. Okay, get the police involved if you have to. Okay, this, I'm not talking about domestic violence. No one should have to suffer any type of violence in regards to their relationship, okay? No one. There's always a way to get around it, and violence is not one of them within a relationship. Can we make that very clear, amen? Okay, so I'm not talking about that, because I know for some of you, you're like, but, but, you don't realise how bad it is for me. 
Well, if it is that bad, let's talk about it. But for most of us, when I'm talking about conflict, I'm usually talking about you want to go to KFC and she wants to go to Macca's. That's probably as big as it gets for a lot of us. But you know, if you don't solve that properly, it can lead to more than that. It started off as I want to go to KFC and Macca's, but now it's actually a bigger issue because of the selfishness that has taken place, because of the way we have spoken to one another. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So most of us would know that conflict is a part of a relationship. And what we need to discover today is, so what part does it play? Well, some of you ladies are very privileged to have some pearl earrings or maybe a pearl necklace or maybe a pearl bracelet. But you know, when you discover how a pearl is made, you quickly start to realize the power of conflict. Because we know that a pearl is made when a clam or an oyster or a mussel experiences irritation when a little bit of sand or some sort of parasite gets into its shell, then what it does is it secretes a fluid and it tries to cover the, the, the irritant and it keeps covering it and covering it and covering it, trying to make it as smooth as possible so that it doesn't irritate it. And because of that, we actually end up with a pearl. Okay, here it comes. No irritant, no pearl. No conflict, no pearl. And some of us are trying to avoid conflict like as if it's the worst thing that's ever going on in your lives. I want to tell you right now, God can use those conflicts to develop some great pearls in every single one of our lives. Something great can actually come out of the conflict. Did you know that? If we handle it right, something great can come out of it. Out of something that causes us suffering, it could be one of the greatest things that ever actually happens to you if you handle it correctly. You know, we're going to get to heaven one day and the Bible describes the new heaven. And it tells us how in the foundations of the new heaven, there are all these stones, diamonds and jewels and rubies and sapphires. There are all these different levels in the foundation. But yet when the Bible describes the gates of heaven, it actually describes them as a pearl. The entrance into heaven is actually a pearl. Why? Because we are for all eternity going to look at those pearls thinking to ourselves, we are only here because of Jesus' suffering. That's, that's the whole reason we are here. We're going to look at those pearls and saying, how do we get into this place? That's right, through those pearly gates. And we are only here because Jesus had nails put in his hands. He had a crown of thorns put on. Through Jesus' conflict, we get saved. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Through his suffering, we get saved. Revelation 21, 21. The 12 gates were made of pearls. Each gate from a single pearl and the main street was pure gold, as clear as glass. You're going to be driving on streets of gold one day. Good luck with that, hey? The thing that we are chasing so much, we actually walk on it at some stage. That's how precious the kingdom of God is, hey? Do you know, conflict is as dangerous for you as weights are in a gym. Weights aren't dangerous in a gym. Yet, you know, there is heavy weight in a gym and you can pick up an 80 kilo dumbbell, right? One of the young guys goes, yeah, that's me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, about to talk about me, Pastor Rich. You can pick up an 80 kilo dumbbell, wait for it, watch this. And you, if you get that thing, and if you position it right and get your arm in the right place and, and, you, and you brace yourself and listen, you know what you're doing. You know what the weight is for. 
okay? You know what the weight is for. And if you grab that thing, as you begin to do the exercise, do you like that? Am I doing it right, guys? Yeah, right? As you begin to do the exercise, listen, what's starting to happen is, even though it's hurting you, it's actually making you grow. I want to suggest to you that if you don't let it hurt, then it actually won't cause you to grow. Some of you just work something out right there. Because you go to the gym and you pick up the smallest weight you can and you're just like... And then wondering why you don't grow any muscle. You've actually got to let out a few grunts, girls and guys, okay? It's got to hurt you a little bit. But if you do it right and you do it the right way, 80 kilos worth of weight, and all of a sudden, wow, you've got bicep, you're growing, you're healthier, you feel strong. Next day, there's a box sitting at the front door and your wife goes, hon, can you please put that out there? And you're like, oh, I don't want to do that. So then, because you're so upset about it, you you, you pick up the 80 kilo box and you're like, and and you've just done your back. Now, wait for it. 80 kilos. 80 kilos. This one, you're Mr. Universe. This one, you're in a hospital bed. Call me back, call me back. What's the difference between the two weights? It's not the weight. It's how you see it, how you use it, how you've made it work for you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Listen, it's not the conflict. Okay, we're gonna clap, let's all clap, go, 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 let's clap, it's the truth. Okay, here's, here's the point. You are always going to have conflict in your life, forever. There's always gonna be somewhere, somehow, your son, your daughter, your boss, your pastor, someone's, you're always going to be in conflict somewhere. Why not use it as a dumbbell rather than a box that's going to hurt us? Why not, why not say to ourselves, you know, if I'm going to be in a conflict and I'm going to use it to, my, to the best ability and I'm going to turn it into a pearl. And that's how I'm going to use it for my life. Give someone a high five and say, let's lift some weight around here. And we all know without the weight, you just don't grow. And for some of us, we want to be just like Christ. Jesus, I want to be just like you. I want to love people more. I want to be more patient. Do you know what it takes to be more patient? People need to annoy the heck out of you. But we want to be like more patient, but not have any trials, no tribulation. Listen, conflict sometimes is the very thing that makes us more like Jesus. As long as we see it and we use it in the correct way. Are you hearing the difference here? It's all about the way you handle it, friends. You're going to have conflict. Isn't that great news? Because for a lot of couples right here, and this is a couple series, this is a relationship series. By the way, we can use it for anything, but let's talk specifically to couples. You're thinking that your relationship is terrible. It's a second-class relationship. You're not not even sure whether it's going to last because you've got this thing called conflict. I want to tell you right now, your relationship could be the very thing that people look up to and say, what a pearl of a relationship. You guys have had your tough times. Yes, you've had to said some things that you probably shouldn't have said, but you guys have done that and you've come through it. Do you know what sort of hope that brings to people? You can have a pearl relationship. And to create a pearl, there's got to be some irritants going on. Now, don't start annoying each other just so that you can have a pearl relationship. Pastor Richard said, we've got to have conflict, so let's do that right now. Now, of course, let's aim for no conflict. But when it's there, don't be alarmed by it. Don't be shocked by it. Don't think your relationship's on the rocks. It just means you have to learn how to get through it. Now, today is Mother's Day, and we're celebrating the mums. I was very privileged to be at, at my son's birth, and I saw my wife going through excruciating pain to bring him into the world. Much pain, much conflict. But what shocked me was, Helen was happy to go through that because at 3.59, she was in pain, but
But at 4 p.m., she was holding the joy of her life. Now, right now, you're going through the pain. But do you have enough foresight to say, you know what, right now it's painful, but I also believe that this is going to lead to the very thing that's going to give me the joy of my life. Come on, do we believe that? It's, come on, do we believe that? It's okay. It's okay to experience pain. And for some of us, what we're striving for is a conflict-free relationship. I don't want any conflict. Pastor Richard, I just want sunshine all the time. Well, listen to this for a quote. Constant sunshine creates a desert. It really does, friends. Constant sunshine creates a desert. Sometimes you need a little bit of rain. It's nice. Pastor Richard, are you saying conflict is nice? No. What I'm saying is, how do you know when you're in a good time unless you have some bad times? Some tough times. And God will use all of it. You know, we have some, we've got a beautiful garden at home. And do you know whenever the garden is not growing as it should and I want it to grow, do you know what I do? I throw a whole lot of manure at it. I wonder what God does when he sees your life sometimes and says, you're not growing the way you're supposed to be growing. I know what I'll do. Come on, let's be honest. We grow the most when things are against us. But that shouldn't shock us. Let's go back to that gym illustration. Do you know you only grow in the gym because something is working against you? It's when, the harder you have to work, the, the more that it's working against you, the more you grow. And some of us do not want conflict in God. He's saying, well, look, I'm not causing it. I'm not making it happen. But can you at least use it to make you grow? So can I give you just a couple of points as to how we can use conflict to make us grow. Can I show you where it comes from and how we can work our way out of it? Are you all with me? James chapter four, verse one. I love that the word of God has got so much to say about this. And it says this, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Here's the answer. Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? See, if I had have written the Bible, that's how you know the Bible is the Word of God. Because if I had have written it, it would have said, don't you know that the fights come from your partner and what they're thinking? But the Bible says, no, no, no. In any conflict, what the Bible is telling you to do, wait for it. If you're having a conflict right now, think of a conflict that you may be going through. What the Bible is telling you is, you, you are playing a part in that somewhere. And if you will just step up and say, you know what, what desires are going on? See, the Bible is saying that you're fighting and you're quarreling because you're not getting what you want out of this relationship. Something is not working the way you would want it to work. So you've got to ask yourself, what are the desires? And listen, what's the battle that's going on in you? Because what you're doing is you're bringing that battle into the relationship. So I'm just wondering, are you willing to at least take responsibility for your share even if it's 1%, let me be really generous now. Do you know that 1% that you're playing a part in this conflict? Can you at least admit that as quickly as you can and say, I am playing a part in this relationship? Now, guess what? If you do that and your partner is willing to do the same thing, can you imagine when two people say, I am willing to take part in my responsibility? I'm going to take responsibility for the things that I am doing or not doing. Can you imagine if two people decided to do that? You know what's going to happen, don't you? There's going to be love. There's going to be forgiveness. There's going to be all the things that need to be there. But listen, let me tell you what often happens. It's not my fault. 
Nothing. No, no. It's all her, it's all him. And what's this person saying? No, not me. Okay, so they've got two people here and neither of them think it's them. So then who is it? If it's not him and it's not her, then who is causing the conflict? Some bloke called Jim. It's always him. Some bloke over there. If it's not you and it's not her, if it's not her, it's not him, then who is actually causing the conflict? I think we both know that it must be either both of them. Now, we know in some extreme cases it is just the one person. They have done something really, really bad. We get that. But your responsibility in that is you chose them. <laughs> Can you at least admit, yeah, I probably didn't make a great decision and I need to work my way back into this relationship. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You've got to take responsibility, friends. When we blame, what you're saying is, I can't fix it. The minute you blame, you're saying it's out of your hands, which means you can't fix it. That's not where God wants us to be. He says, can't you see that there's a battle raging on inside of you? Are you, are you all okay with that? That's the first thing James tells us to do. The second thing, if we're going to resolve this, Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, let's read this together. Jesus says, so if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, he says, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Listen to what it's saying. If you remember, I love this, I love this, watch this. Jesus is saying, if you are in church and then you remember, not that you've got something against someone, but they've got something against you. He's not, are you hearing that? He says, if you remember, oh, someone's got something against me. He doesn't then say, now just sit back and pray that they come to you and ask for forgiveness. No, no, no. He's saying, you go to them. So you know what? You need to play a game called first person to ask for forgiveness wins. Because what we often do is I'm just going to keep silent. I'm going to keep quiet. I'm going to wait for them because I always have to go to them. Yeah, keep going back to them. As long as it resolves the conflict, what do you care? Oh, because then they always seem to get their way. They always seem to get their way. Okay, so they always seem to get their way. Do you know, during that time of conflict is not the time to start working out who's getting what, to be quite honest with you, because people aren't thinking straight. Let's resolve the conflict, and then let's have a very honest conversation about what needs to be changed and what doesn't need to be changed. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Be the first person to go and ask for forgiveness or try and sort it out. This is what Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 says. It says, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. You know, I had a friend, and he was one of the first guys to have this uh, plasma TV screens, right? Do you remember plasma? And they were all LCD and LED, but they used to be plasma. And the thing about plasma TVs is that they had a huge fault. And this was the fault in them. Whenever you left an image on the plasma screen for a long period of time, it would burn an image into the screen itself. And that image would be there forever. That's why we've moved away from them. Well, this young guy, his friends decided to get into his house, which because they knew where the key was, and they put a very inappropriate sexual image on his TV, and then they paused it. So that when he came home, he, he and his wife would see the image and go, wow, I'm getting embarrassed and laugh about it. Except that they left that image on the TV for eight hours. So his brand new TV had a very highly inappropriate sexual image 
on his TV forever. So they were trying to watch Play School, but there were some funny things going on during Play School the whole time. Not a fun thing to do. I'm telling you this, that to say, you know, your heart is just like a plasma screen and whatever you allow to be on that image, on the image of your heart, when you have unforgiveness or a conflict going on for a long period of time and you leave it in your heart, you know, friends, it's very difficult to start to remove that. Be very quick to change the channel. Be very quick to get that image off there. Be very quick to go and seek the person that you need to seek out and let's resolve our conflicts and let's make them work as strongly as possible. You know, Jesus was completely let down by the Apostle Peter. Do we all know that? How many of you would like to... At the moment of your death, your best friend denies you three times. Jesus was denied three times by his best friend. Have you ever had your best friend do something wrong to you? Come on, let's be honest. And there's a conflict, right? Jesus did nothing wrong in that relationship. His friend Peter let him down. But did you know when Jesus rose again, the first person he wanted to go and visit was Peter. Jesus didn't go, no. Nah! He denied me. He can, I'm the son of God. I did nothing wrong. Peter can come and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. No, no, Jesus went and made him a fish barbecue. <laughs> Remember, he was Lebo, uh, you know, Jewish, almost Lebo. <laughs> Jesus was making some nice fish there for him, a few falafels on the side. And Jesus was looking out to a boat to a guy who completely denied him but Jesus was happy to let it go and he didn't wait for Peter to come to him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Friends, if we want to resolve some conflicts, these are the things we've got to do because biblically, that's what it's telling us to do if we want to get through these things. The second verse, I've got a couple of moments left. The second verse of James, it says this. It says, you desire, but you do not have, so you kill. It's pretty ferocious, isn't it? It says, you covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. And then he says this, you do not have because you do not ask God. So here's the question for all of us. Do you know, in the middle of the conflict, are you asking God to get involved? Are you asking God? We seem to be at odds with each other. There's a conflict going on. Can you please come and help us? Because the Bible says you have not because you don't ask God. What's the have not? You don't have peace. You don't have joy. You don't have those things that God wants in your relationship. Why? Because you didn't invite him into the middle of the picture. Why do we need to ask him? Because as far as I can tell, to have the sort of spirit that you need to get out of conflict, you've got to be just like Jesus. You've got to have the spirit of, you've got to have that spirit of forgiveness, the spirit of love, the spirit of believing in people. And you know, let me just say this right now. I know there's some people in the room, you've already been divorced. And you would have loved to have heard a message like this many, many years ago. It may have saved your relationship. But I'm glad that I'm in a church that even the divorced people are celebrating and supporting and encouraging us as leaders saying, hey, listen, it didn't work out for us, but the next time around it is going to work out for me. But I'm glad that we've got, we've got divorced people that are still saying, but you, you preach it, Pastor Rich. Keep these couples together. Help them to know that conflict is going to be there, but they can also work through it. And I'm glad that we don't have a sort of a disgruntled, oh, you know, it didn't work out for me, therefore it shouldn't work out for anybody else. I thank God that we don't have that spirit in our church, that people are celebrating the fact that we are helping people. Hey, listen, when we said, for better, for worse, you know, I think, I think God heard that. And these, these messages are basically saying, come on, 
Let's make it work. Don't be shocked by conflict. It's going to always be there. But let me tell you something. Do you know why people love rag to riches story? Because most people are in the rag stage. And you know, everything that you are currently going through right now, the best couple to help another couple are the ones who, were, who had the greatest conflict, but somehow can pull out their big pearl and go, look at what we've gotten through. That's the couple that people say, well, if you guys have done that, then we can do it too. And I want to challenge you. God's going to use your pearls. He's going to let you show them off. So don't be afraid and don't be embarrassed of the conflict that you've gotten through because, friends, it's a pearl that you can show others and help other people to get through it. Amen. The best person to help someone who's gone through bankruptcy, someone who's gone through bankruptcy. That's the person I'd want to hear from. You know, the best person to hear if you've lost a child, the best person to speak to is someone that has lost a child and how did they get through it? So the best person to help another couple or relationship struggles is someone that has gotten through it. So I just don't want us to be embarrassed. Conflict's always going to be there, but how are we going to use it? Are you with me? Come on. How do we handle conflict? Number one, we understand that it's going to be there. Number two, we're going to use it well. We're going to use it for us. Hi, I'm Richard Kabakian, pastor of Lifehouse Church. Just wanted to say thank you for listening to this message and I hope and pray that you feel that it's added value to your life. My greatest desire is to see people develop a personal relationship with Jesus, which can begin by praying a very simple prayer. I'm going to pray that prayer right now and if you'd like to begin that relationship, you can just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I choose you as my only hope of being forgiven. Please come into my life and let me begin a relationship with you that will last for all eternity. If you've prayed that prayer, we would love to know about it and celebrate your fantastic decision. You can do that by sending an email to mydecision at lifehouse.com.au. We look forward to hearing from you.